This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. This is the Eric Lee Show on WSOY 1340 AM and 103.3 FM, streaming live at NowDecatur.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I may be poor, but I am somebody. I may be on wherefore, but I am somebody. I am somebody is the book we're about to talk about. I may be in jail, but I am somebody. I like it. I may be uneducated, but I am somebody. I am black, beautiful, proud. I must be respected. I must be protected. I am somebody. Is that Jesse? That's Jesse, man. That's the Rev. The Rev. The Rev. Welcome to Hour 2, Eric Lee Show, Richard Community College. It's Courtney Carson, downtown Decatur, of course. Brought to you by Earth Mover Credit Union. Uh, our next guest joining us on the uh, Kansas City Barbecue. I, I want to make sure I say that Kansas City Barbecue Pit, by the way, mm-hmm. served over 400 barbecue sandwiches the last few weeks to farmers. Wow. Yeah, That's they, amazing. 95Q does a Feed the Farmers thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get sponsors to try to cover things and... Casey Barbecue Pit, man. Uh, putting, putting, and that's some they good gotta food. love them. I think that's what I'm gonna eat dinner tonight. Good food as well. Yeah. So salute to them, and they are the sponsor of our hotlines. Where our next guest, I asked Dominique to make sure we had it right. David Masiotra, right, sir? That's correct. David is the author, and I just kind of look back on your website here. He's he's done books on Bruce Springsteen, Metallica, John Cougar Mellencamp, Barack Obama, and now we get to talk about I Am Somebody. Why Jesse Jackson Matters. And uh, I, I, I see these five books. On your, are those the five you've written or the five big ones or the five for sale? It, 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 uh, yeah, obviously, uh, uh, you like writing about um, people that are impactful. Yeah, those are the all of the above. Those are the five okay. I've written, the five that are for sale. And uh, if you're, if you're like you today to talk about the new one, if, uh, I Am Somebody, Why Jesse Jackson, just published yesterday. That's so awesome. It, Congrats on uh, that. Literally hot off the press. I didn't want to short you if you're like, no, I've written 127 books. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do enough homework if you had if you had written that many. Um, uh, David, where are you from? Uh, I grew up in a town called Lansing, Illinois. Okay. And I currently live in uh, Northwest Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? You know what? What made you write the book about Jesse Jackson? How did this start? I guess is the question I'm getting at. Well, Jesse Jackson is a uh, longtime political hero of mine. Uh, mm. I've been fascinated with his life and his work uh, for as long as I can remember because I grew up in a house of uh, Jesse Jackson admirers. Uh, my grandfather, mm-hmm. who was a World War II veteran and a uh, member of a labor union, uh, really uh, praised and appreciated the work that Jackson did on the behalf of organized labor and workers' rights. And uh, his daughter, my mother, uh, often offered uh, praise and demonstrated interest in Jackson's work on racial justice. Mm -hmm. And growing up uh, in the south suburbs of Chicago, as Jackson worked out of his headquarters, which is in Chicago, Illinois, uh, I was constantly hearing stories about him and seeing him on television, seeing him in the newspaper. And simultaneously with that, 
Uh, his son was a congressman representing the south suburbs of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with that. And then as a journalist, I first uh, met and interviewed Reverend Jackson six years ago to write a story on his presidential campaigns of the 1980s, which were immensely groundbreaking and history-making. And I'm very blessed and privileged and fortunate to say we developed a rapport, Mm -hmm. and it led to uh, many more interviews, conversations. I accompanied him on trips as a journalist covering what he was doing and observed his work up close, and I quickly began to realize that he is the most effective and consequential living civil rights leader in our country, Mm -hmm. and that his story is immensely important, but it's often not told, and when it is told, it's not told correctly. So I attempt to correct that, uh, you know, unfortunate error of our cultural discourse uh, with this new book. What what is the primary corrections? I I don't don't want to, I'm not trying to get a giveaway, give the book away, but I mean, what, Either, you know, maybe tell me what's been incorrect or or what's the corrections. Well, I think that the full depth and breadth of his impact uh, isn't known, uh, even to people who are generally supportive Mm -hmm. uh, of the kind of work he does. So if I could just give a really quick synopsis, in the 1960s, he was an aide to Martin Luther King uh, working for uh, equality for black Americans, the demolition of Jim Crow the uh, universal franchise. Then in the 70s, uh, you know, following the, the tragic assassination of Dr. King, uh, he really becomes the founder of black economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ebony Magazine called him the apostle of economics because through his advocacy, uh, he earned thousands of black Americans employment thousands of black Americans' placement in trade unions that previously uh, prohibited their entry, and millions and millions of dollars for black business owners through contracts because our economic structure was uh, viciously discriminatory and predatory. Uh, Then in the 80s, with his two presidential runs, he really transformed the Democratic Party into a multicultural progressive party. Mm-hmm. And even today in 2020 with the Biden-Harris ticket, uh, Democrats are still catching up uh, to the positions that Jackson uh, articulated in the 80s and mm-hmm. the work that he did. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, the, the title, I Am Somebody, did you quote, is that a speech? That is. You're just a quote. That's his, that's his affirmation that's, for yeah. the most part. Well, I mean, in the book, you know, Cordy sent me a, a piece of the book, and uh, I don't think David. A phenomenal book, by the way. I read it last night. My you God, read the whole book last night? read it last night, man. How do you read oh, a whole book so, so fast? thank you so much, yeah. uh, Courtney. I was curious if you had a chance to look at it. <laughs> yeah, it's and... so phenomenal. And some the details and how you break down, you, you, you are absolutely correct. You break down his life, and you and you highlight some of the kind of misconceptions about who he is. And, you know, quite naturally, I love who Reverend Jackson is. And you really like the, the his relationship with uh, Clinton, um, the some of the other Chicago uh, pastors being a little uh, felt like they were kind of duped as it relates to that uh, conversation or um, negotiation between Anheuser-Busch when his son was only 12 years old at the particular point in time. And I don't want to give stuff away, but it was just phenomenal. And so I truly appreciate your work, your efforts, and, and your heart and spirit, man. 
Well, thank you so much. Well, yeah, part of the book is doing a big pushback Mm -hmm. against the slanderous propaganda that various people in power have proffered against Jackson Mm -hmm. uh, for decades. And and you, uh, almost, you know, more than anyone, uh, understand the... Uh, the benefits that Jackson's dedication Definitely. to justice, love, and service brings directly to people's lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely, you know, I don't, I don't know how much you want to talk about your own experience with Reverend Jackson, but. Uh, you know that intimately and personally. Yeah, most definitely. Saved my life, changed my life. Absolutely. Yeah. Saved a, a number of guys' lives, mm-hmm. I, I think, quite possibly. I, I, I've known Courtney since before that that instance, and knew he was gonna knew he was a good dude on the inside. And it, it's uh, you, you, you see this happen with with young men in this in this city sometimes going down the wrong path. And and Jesse, we're starting to see it again, unfortunately, with mm-hmm. young with young people, but. Uh, just that that presence, I think, changed a lot of lives. Oh, for sure, uh, definitely. You know, the, the connection to Jesse Al Sharpton mm-hmm. is a, is a big piece of this book as well, and and I like how he, you know, the, the, one of the stories that you know from the what Courtney had sent me uh, that he found uh, in the in the book also kind of talks about the, the "I am somebody" quote, how it affected Sharpton. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it are some people just they just have that blessing of being able to. To, to be a positive influence is Jesse Jackson just just one of those people. I think so. I think that there's a, you know there's a certain mysterious quality to some people, and I don't mean that in a supernatural sense, but uh, you know qualities that we call charisma, qualities that we call leadership. Uh, you know, in one of my many conversations with Jesse Jackson, he told me about how uh, when he was a college student. He had learned he was a football player, and he had learned that some of the uh, some of his uh, black female classmates were wrongly jailed, and he wanted to lead a protest to uh, try to release them, to emancipate them, and uh, with hardly any publicity, hardly any promotion or pressure, uh, hundreds of students just started following him hmm. across campus, and mm-hmm. he said that he felt like in that moment like a player who doesn't realize he has talent, but the coach sees it. Mm. You know, his classmates were like the coach. They saw his leadership qualities before he even had a chance to see them. Mm. Uh, so there is something uh, inaccessible in leadership. Leaders are uh, both born and made. But, uh, you know, I remember going to a Rainbow Push. You talked about saving people's lives to see uh, two, two of the three soldiers mm-hmm. that Reverend Jackson rescued uh, during the uh, Yugoslav War mm-hmm. in, in Bosnia and in Serbia, and they were speaking on the 20th anniversary of that occasion. And, you know, Jackson has rescued hundreds of right. hostages and freed hundreds of prisoners in countries like Cuba, Iraq, Syria, and elsewhere. And uh, it was also the 20th anniversary of when uh, Jackson intervened in Decatur. Right. And that was where I first saw uh, Reverend Courtney Carson speak, Mm -hmm. and he brought tears to my eyes about how, uh, as you just said, Jackson saved your life. So part of the book is telling these stories to uh, humanize and personalize Jackson's work, and then another part is more analytical. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at how he changed the structure of the Democratic Party to make it more representative 
of diverse constituencies, constituencies and poor voters. Uh, and then part of it is examining that economic work. And uh, I did interview Reverend Al Sharpton for the book. He was very insightful on both of those scores, mm-hmm. the analytical, political side of it, but also the personal side, because Sharpton told me that, like Jackson, he grew up in poverty. He grew up without a father. Mm-hmm. He was often bullied at school. So I am somebody comes from the heart. It's a genuine affirmation for Jackson. And there's countless people who, as simple as it sounds, need to hear it and, more right. importantly, need to feel it and believe it. Mm. We're talking to David Masiotra, author of the book, I Am Somebody, Why Jesse Jackson Matters. I feel like, just in the conversation, you've spent a lot of time with Jesse Jackson before you were writing this book. Am I hearing that right? Yes. Uh Like I said, I first met him six years ago, and we only had one interview planned for an article, Mm. uh, and that led led to many more interviews and my observing his work uh, up close and personal. And uh, the book developed naturally out of those Mm -hmm. experiences. You know, the more time I spent with him, the more time I listened to his insights, uh, the more I realized that an article or even a series of articles uh, would be insufficient to mm-hmm. capture the power and profundity uh, of this story. Yeah. Was this... Nothing's easy. I don't, I'm not trying to downplay the book. But was this easy to write? Or, you know, and I know it was... I know you, there's, there's, you, know, you, you want to do it the right way. There's pressure to deliver the, the complete image of a man who, who's a hero. But, but did, this, did this roll off your fingertips, uh, you know, once you got so inspired? It, it really did in a certain respect because um, he he gave, he provided so much material mm-hmm. uh, through our conversations mm-hmm. that, that the the biggest challenge of the book was curation. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the book is uh, 250 pages. It could be a thousand pages, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, given everything he's accomplished, given the prolific nature of his work, and given that. At the age of 79, even with Parkinson's disease, he's still dedicated, working six, seven days a week, eight, ten hours a day. Uh, But my publisher and I agreed. I had a wonderful team at uh, Bloomsbury, I.B. Taurus, that the book should be uh, somewhat brief so that it's accessible to a wide range of people. You know, we want college students to pick up this book. We want people who uh, maybe aren't extremely curious about Jesse Jackson to pick up the book and learn about Jesse Jackson. And we thought that if, if I tried to f- compress everything in there and the book is eight, 900 pages, uh, it would turn off some people. Sure. You know, the length would intimidate people. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest challenge of the book, deciding what was essential and what stories, even if they were important and interesting, uh, would have to end up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, right. That's right. tough. And it highlights where, how we have to be uh, extra uh, careful in how we allow media to kill off our heroes as well. Yeah, I read into it that way as well. Could, is that? Do you think that that that's highlighted in the book? Yeah, absolutely. Because there's what I find in conversations with so many people is that there is a canyon separating the reality of Jesse Jackson, his life and his work, mm-hmm. and the perception of Jesse Jackson. Right. And that isn't accidental or happenstance. That is a direct result of 
a multi-decade campaign to distort and discredit Jackson's work led by uh, the large corporate media outlets, key figures in the Republican Party, and even some prominent figures in the Democratic yeah. Party. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and part of that is politically motivated. Also, part of it is a result of our commercial media culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I quote a Bruce Springsteen lyric in the book, uh, first they made me king, then they made me pope, then they brought the rope. I mean, yeah. there's, there's something in our culture that often props people up just to knock them down. Absolutely. Right, right. We talk about it in sports all the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Jesse Jackson is one of these people in a position that is always on. Mm-hmm. He goes to a speaking engagement. Mm-hmm. He walks off that stage. He meets 500 people mm-hmm. <laughs> on the way to the car or the hotel. Yeah. He's on. The people that work for him, Courtney goes, I want you to meet these high school kids. He's on. He's mm-hmm. on. He's always got to be Jesse Jackson. David, did you get to see any Jesse Jackson that was off? Well, I I learned some things about Jesse Jackson that surprised me. Uh, you know, for example, his sense of humor. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's funny, uh, man. <laughs> you know, the, the first time that I was going to meet him, I felt like I was going to meet Moses. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see that. Because I knew about all of his work, and every time I had seen him on television, he was serious and intense. And then, uh, you know, I learned that he has a, a great sense of humor, and, and he's a down-to-earth guy, and he can uh, transition from a topic of great urgency into something more trivial, uh, just like anyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also think that we tend to, when we see someone like Jesse Jackson, someone whose name we recognize in newspaper headlines, uh, we tend to think that they are indestructible. Mm-hmm. And there were some moments that I describe in the book, uh, including one in which I uh, accompanied him to his mother's uh, hospital room when mm-hmm. his mother was on his deathbed, where I saw the the humanity of Jesse Jackson, Mm -hmm. that uh, even if sometimes he might appear indestructible, he isn't. He has a heart that bleeds just like anyone else. Yeah. It's amazing. You've seen Jesse off, obviously, Courtney. Oh, most definitely. Is it the sense of humor that will catch most people off guard if they get a chance to be in it? Yeah, definitely. It's the sense of humor, man. (laughs) He's funny. You can forget that these people that Mm -hmm. that live on these pedestals Mm -hmm. uh, are, 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 are... because a lot of times they're not real humane. They might be mm-hmm. rude. They might be, but you're not going to get that. Man, he's either. down to earth. Every time I try to talk business, when I'm with Reverend, every time I try to talk business with him, he, he reminds me to focus on your family, man. Yeah. Yeah. How the children? Yeah. Good. How's you your know, wife? Good. <laughs> you know? Good. He, uh, there's, there's two stories I could tell about that. The first one, uh, once when we were traveling in South Carolina, uh, we, we stopped in a restaurant to get, get a bite to eat. And uh, uh, Reverend Jackson and I went to the bathroom, and I've never seen him turn down an autograph, turn down a picture. He's incredibly generous with his time. But while Reverend Jackson was actually using the bathroom, a gentleman said, oh, my God, Jesse Jackson, can I, can I get a picture, please? <laughs> and he turned and he said, if you give me just a minute, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then the other story, which is on a more serious note, uh, when I had gone to Selma, 
to cover the 50th anniversary commemoration of the uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday March uh, that the late John Lewis helped organize. Mm -hmm. Uh, I ran into uh, Reverend Jackson's assistant, uh, Alana, and I said, oh, how's Reverend Jackson doing? And she said, oh, he's doing great. He's with all of his friends. And it just hit me that all of these names, you know, Jesse Jackson, John Lewis, Mm -hmm. Bernard Lafayette, uh, Diane Nash, all of these names in the history books are human beings and they're friends and they enjoy each other's company. So that was a pretty uh, powerful moment that brought that home. That's awesome. Yeah. David, you you said uh, just the book just got published. Does that mean it's available to buy right now? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, where, Where are we sending people to get it? Uh, I am somebody. Why Jesse Jackson matters. You can buy it from, di- directly from the publisher, which is Bloomsbury, or any uh, book retailer, large or small. Amazon, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, Bookshop is a great service that supports uh, independently owned bookstores. So wherever you would prefer to buy it, I'm sure they have it. And then, if I gave you a minute to talk about your books on Obama, the the Coog, Metallica, and and Springsteen. I, are they similar mentalities of books, or are they all just kind of put together a little differently? Well, the first two books, uh, the spring, book on Springsteen, the book on Mellencamp, uh, you know, those both uh, are part analysis of their music, part biography, and they look at, because of the nature of both of those guys' songs, uh, sometimes where music and politics coalesce. Okay. Uh, the Metallica book is a really short book just on their record, The Black Album. Uh, that I wrote after interviewing all of those guys. And uh, the Obama book is just my interpretation and analysis of his presidency. And it's called Invisible Man, Barack Obama. Yeah, Barack Obama, Invisible Man, with a uh, salute to Ralph Ellison and his classic novel, Invisible Man. Gotcha. Uh, David, I think we could probably talk for hours, but we're going to turn you loose. We appreciate the time. Anything else, Courtney? I just want to say thank you so much, Brother David. Um, I truly appreciate your, your your work. It's art, man. Absolutely. Hope you sell a million you. of these. Oh, thank you very much for uh, having me, both of you, and, and Courtney. Uh, thank you for sharing with me your story and allowing oh, me to uh, include it in my book. Definitely. And uh, thank you for everything you said today. I hope to see you soon. Yes, sir. But what's next, David? Do, do we know what you're working on, or can we know? <laughs> uh, you know, that the, the world will have to... Uh, Wait in suspense. Fair enough. I'm, I'm not sure myself. Okay. What, what, what? Always writing articles. I, I have a column at oh. salon.com. What was that? So, What's the website? Uh, salon. Salon. S-A-L-O-N? Yeah. Yes. Salon.com. Look for David Masiotra's, uh regular work. And when another book comes out, come on back on and chat with us. Definitely. It would be my pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. Love it. We'll talk to you again. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.